Listen, you may be vaguely aware that I host a live magazine show at Housing Works Bookstore Cafe called Queer Luminaries Live. The good news is that it's back on Monday, October 28th. This time, it's the Gay Sex in the City edition, featuring Ty Mitchell, Zach Krevitt, Peter Smith, Pat Riley, Chris Murphy, Rami Collective, and DJ Jeff Jackson. And the gag is, it's free. So turn up Monday, October 28th at 7 p.m. at Housing Works Bookstore Cafe. More info on my site, davidgoldberg.online. See you there, moi. They're all here. The divas, princes, and living legends you should be obsessed with. Sitting down with me. I'm David Goldberg. These are the luminaries. The Brooklyn Queer Performance Collective, Switch and Play, is about to go global with the new documentary, A Night at Switch and Play, hitting Newfest in New York City on October 26th. Essential members Vigor Mortis and Nick's Nocturne join me to talk about their historic, gender-bending, dragon burlesque crew. Get your dulcet tones set and ready. Nick's Nocturne and Vigor Mortis, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so, so delighted that you're here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) So listen, we have a lot lot to discuss. The place I want to start is this year's Bushwick Festival because I got to see both of you perform. They were (laughs) outrageous, historic performances. And there's a lot I want to break down. I kind of want you both to tell us what you did before I start telling you what you did. Perfect. Great. Yeah, Nix, you go first. Um, Okay. Uh, So I did um, kind of a drag burlesque uh, rendition of Scars Be Prepared from The Lion King uh, because those queer-coded villains are my absolute favorite, and (laughs) he's trying to take over Pride Rock because he was excluded (laughs) from his family, and it gets real Mm. freaking intense, and it's so good. I love Scars. It's it's a metal version. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. It's a heavy metal version. Yeah, that's the important part, (laughs) is that it's, like, not just, not just, like, Jeremy Irons, you know, like, like, singing, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like, with his delicate backup. No, 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 it's, it's a fucking just, like, punk rock. Can I curse on this podcast? Yeah. Yeah, I I wasn't Um, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't ask, I didn't ask. And, but, and the, the look, too, was fabulous. Oh, thank you. Thank Mm -hmm. you so much. It's really well embellished and furry and Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Lots, yeah, lots of fur. I was like, how can I just like put little bits of black faux fur all over my body? And bigger, uh, we have to talk about. Uh, oh no! Yeah, so I did um, an, an act that I do with Davina Grand Sparkle uh, as Fester Adams and Debbie Jelinski. Um, I do it to uh, Meatloaf. I would do anything for love, which was conceived while sitting at. Big Daddy's Diner oh with God, Nick's Nocturne <laughs> many years ago. Oh, I forgot. Um, and uh, we were getting a good day drunk on. And <laughs> we, we used to do what we called inappropriate brunch, which is when we would do brunch at like... 11 o'clock at night on a Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Just like random times, but we would we would order breakfast food, specifically tots, lots and lots of tots, and have like mimosas and Bloody Marys at, again, like, you know, like random times during the Amazing. day. Yeah. Um, and we were sitting there, and I was just like, what in the heck am I going to do for this Adams Family tribute show that we're putting on? Um, and this was the first one ever. And, uh, and that song came on. Because they just had this horrible, like, dad rock 
just constantly mm. going in the background. And and Meatloaf mm. came on. I was like, "Fuck, that's it. That's it. That's the one." Like, yeah. <laughs> like that's that's it. I have to I have to do this. So um, so that was the 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 concept of this ridiculous thing. Um, so you play yeah, Fester and Davina was Debbie. Yeah. You know, what I want to talk about, the reason that I'm bringing these both up is, you know, when you hear about it, it sounds obviously extremely campy, but mm. it sounds kind of like a lot of what you guys do in Switch and Play is geek burlesque, geek drag. Definitely. But <laughs> There's a I, lot of dorks. Yeah, but what sets it apart is it's not... there. I felt with the Bushwig shows and with any other time I've I've seen you, you are telling an emotional story. Mm. And it isn't just like tribute shtick Comic Con drag. It's mm. actually like the Uncle Fester thing, you were communicating a lot because there was mm. I was like, oh my God, there's gaslighting. Yeah. And Fester's this like queer this like queer person who's being held back, but then also Fester's manipulating within that. And mm. then with mm-hmm. Scar, there was just this real surge of like power and freedom and fire. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'm just I I wanted to talk with you both specifically about um, keeping things from just becoming kind of 2D shtick and even when you're doing that campiest Mm -hmm. material, like imbuing it with emotional truth. Totally. Absolutely. Well, I think a lot of it, too, is that if we're if we're going to choose a character, it it has to be one that we're going to resonate with a little bit more deeply as well. Um, I think, yeah, the, the choices for a lot of these characters are, you know, aside from being silly and ridiculous because there's that it's like there's something in there that we feel personally. You know, Absolutely. I know even with this scar thing, I think a lot of um, a lot of my drag is based on the idea of feeling othered and then coming back and being like, this is it. This is what I've got. Mm. And I'm throwing it in your face, like not going to change, but going to be like extreme and ridiculous Mm. and And like throw it in your face and louder. Yeah. And completely unapologetic for that. Mm. Yeah. And I think with Fester, I've always I've watched the the original Adams Family TV show uh, growing up. And Fester has always been my favorite character because he's Mm -hmm. just this big mush pot. He just (laughs) he just wants to be loved and he wants to have his family taken care of and all of this stuff but he just goes about it in the wrong ways all the time but rather than like um, like ever at the end of every episode when it's something even if it's kind of like da 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 you know like that type of yeah. you know um moral wrap up kind of but but like his he really genuinely tries mm. and then when it doesn't work out he's like oh well try again next time and that kind of like I get knocked down, but I get up again attitude is like really like it, 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 there's something really important there, especially when you are someone who is, you know, trans or non-binary or queer, you know, and you're just like you try things and sometimes yeah. it works and sometimes it doesn't. And you just you have to get back up. And I think that um, with that particular story, again, like the song, like I, the part of the reason why I chose that song is because it does actually really work with that story of like, you know, he tried something, he thought that it was going to work and it 100% was not him and he had to shed his pastel outer layer and bad wig and 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 put his coat his coat back on of objection of object right exactly and 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 you know his furs back on and be bald and covered in cockroaches because that's who he really is you know and it's like I would do, I will do anything for love but I'm not doing that like I'm not doing the thing that you want that you say I need you like 
the ways in which I need to change in order to fit your ideals or fit your life when that doesn't actually work with mine. And that's really important, too. So, like, yeah, it, it's, it definitely always hits a little bit of a deeper meaning for us, especially almost, I think, the campy characters. Absolutely. Like, like, mm. like the characters that we make up, for sure, but the characters that we identify with, it's even more intense, like, there's an even more intense connection because it's also something we've witnessed and something that we're, like, putting on. Yeah, when, when do you feel like you were able to go from, like, being fans to being, like, interpreters or storytellers or creators in that regard? Oh, that's a really good question. I mean, that's a really obtuse question. I was going to say specifically within the realm of these these. I guess, deriving from these campy characters? Yeah, I mean, I guess I could reword um, that, which is, like, just generally with your performance, when did you feel like... Because I assume it it takes a while for any performer to, like, start things starting to make sense. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, like, in your performance, when you felt like you were able to start expressing what you wanted to express clearly when things started to work for you like a if there was a turning point a in your in your stage error. career yeah <laughs> okay. yeah definitely a lot of trial and error um because I, I feel like it's something I know I was trying to find it for like trying to find it from the very beginning and mm-hmm. trying to do these things. Um, when I when I first started performing, I started very specifically in burlesque world um, and and I did it because I wanted to like learn how to be a woman because um, I was like, there's oh, something well. here that I can't quite figure <laughs> out. Right. Like, how do yeah. I <laughs> do this? Turns um, out you're non-binary. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> womp, womp. Learn <laughs> Something. Just when um, you thought it was over. But exactly, yeah. And I like I took the you know New York School of Burlesque classes and all of that, and they were wonderful. Yeah. But I did an act development class very very early on, and my very first act was based on Ed Gain, the serial killer. Um, and it's so, so good. So it was it's in so drag. Good. It involved pulling out like a set of skinned breasts out of my bag, and like it's also to the song Happy. Man, yeah, it which is, is hilarious. Song called Happy Man, and it's like it's so... I don't love anyone. I just want my fun. I'm a happy man, um, and so it was. You know, it was one of those things where it was. It was the beginnings of trying to like to do this, taking identity and throwing it back with a character in that mm-hmm. way. I wasn't quite as self aware at that point because I hadn't put it all together. But within a couple of years, it was like, oh, this is what's happening. And, yeah. You know, I feel like it's as you as you sit and examine your art and examine your identity. Like, it, I'd say maybe three or four years in, it clicked. So it was, like, halfway totally. through. I totally, I totally agree. I definitely, like, stumbled into mm-hmm. that for a, in, in a very big way. Like, I was... At first, I just wanted to make people laugh. Mm. And that was it. And then all of a sudden, within that, people were coming up to me and being like, oh, I actually read into it this way. Or, like, I felt like there was this, like, you were trying to do this thing or tell this story. And I was like, I didn't even think about it like that. My God. Like, what? Like, I, like people are, you know. Yeah. And it was people's reactions to what I was doing that, that really made me see that there was nuance and that there could be intentional nuance put into the, the pieces that I was creating. Um, And then uh, when it really hit home for me, it was actually when I did my first serious number, which was the boy number, which is where I'm wearing a dress um, to the Mm. Mad World soundtrack, or the Mad World song from, uh, it's Gary Jules uh, from the Donnie Darko soundtrack. And I um, take my dress off and I have the word boy written across my chest. And and that was before top surgery. Um, And... 
the impact of that was huge because first of all, like I was shaking and right. crying the whole time. It was like, and I still do to this day, like post-op surgery, very comfortable in like my identity, all that other stuff. I'm like, I, I still like shake and cry every single time I do that number because it like, it's, it's, it's something that was so raw and it was such a diversion from what I normally do that I was like, you know, I'm actually really going to take all of these little subtexts that people have found in my work and I'm going to try to put it into one number and I'm going to put it on stage and mm. do something really raw and hope that um, and hope that it means something to someone else as well and like getting to the experience like having the experience of that and, and experiencing like the intensity of what it's like to receive like feedback then was kind of like oh okay I see, like, wh- how, like, you know, I see that there's, like, so much depth that can be achieved um, from doing this type of work Absolutely. in all different types of ways. You know, like, sometimes you don't have to hit people over the head with sadness like I do <laughs> in that particular number. But even that number is nuanced because mm-hmm. it's not a hopeless number. It used to be a very painful you know, a right. very painful number. And now post-op surgery, it's changed a little bit. Like the attitude has changed. But um, That's amazing that you can yeah. do the same song and feel something different. Because, you know, I totally. think any artist's fear is like, oh, God, am I going to have to do this totally. shit for the rest of my well, life? Well, the one, the one thing that has been a little bit, unfortunately, is that uh, that song is, a, is like a Vine meme. Mm. <laughs> so a lot of people, True. whenever whenever I start performing it, They'll people laugh. start laughing. And then I feel bad because then they're like, God, I feel awful. Right. I think it's Don't better laugh. that way. Yeah. I think it's a lot yeah. better when people go in with an expectation yeah. and gets like slapped in the face with, oh no, this is a whole nother thing. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I mean, but I do, I do kind of feel bad because it feels a little misleading. Right. Because like, you know, but that's also not my fault. Like that's, that's the way that times change. You know, and there's that, it's that video of that that boy on the keyboard going all around me, <laughs> you know, whatever. And so it's like, you like it, it happens. And I was like, well, maybe I should change the song. And I was like, no, nah, I'm just going to keep rolling with it. Yeah. And like, it changes the beginning a lot, but it helps me as an actor actually, because that whole number is basically about not feeling like you fit in. So, and not feeling like something like feel feeling very deeply that there's something wrong that I can't communicate and I don't know how to communicate. So then having all these people laugh at me puts me immediately in that space of being like in middle school and totally not knowing who I was and all that type of stuff. Um, and then the bell, there's a, the, the song begins with like a school bell ringing. So mm. it like, again, it kind of sets it up for me in a way that's like, uh, it, it's, I mean, it's, it's very valuable for me, but I do feel a little bit like I'm kind of coercing the, the audience into bullying me unintentionally. So, <laughs> so. You know, we're, we're obviously getting a sense these are two very special performers, and obviously Brooklyn right now, Brooklyn, New York in general, is a vast, there's an embarrassment of riches when it comes yeah. to the drag and queer performance community. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so curious about how you two found yourselves in Switch and Play and how this kind of family came together, totally. because it's so amazing that... There's really a cohesion of interests and performance styles while you're all so unique. Yeah. So I'm just curious about how you guys found yourselves in it, how this group kind of found itself. Right. Well, I wouldn't join unless they did. Yeah. (laughs) Almost same. Yeah. There was there was kind of a (laughs) there was a moment where like, well, I don't know. Are you? Are you? Are Are we? we I'm not going to that party if she's not going. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's so. That's very queer. Yeah. 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 (laughs) No, definitely. That was 100 percent it. Um, 
Yeah, it was. I guess one of those things like was familiar with switch and play and all of that, especially because they would have burlesque performers as guest performers. And I guess, like I said, I mean, the first three years um, of my performance career, I was much more specifically in burlesque and hadn't really been in drag spaces before. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Uh, and I guess now there's so much more crossover happening. There's a lot, you know, mm-hmm. back and forth. I feel like back then, I mean, I started, I just hit seven years. So that, at that point, there was less of it. And it's not that it wasn't oh, happening. Oh, mm, yeah, that's, that's no small feat. <laughs> thank you. Especially the people I'm talking to, like, make their costumes. Like, this is really in-depth <laughs> yep. uh, work. So, yeah, oh, yeah. mazel tov. <laughs> Something to celebrate. Sold my soul to nightlife. Um, <laughs> and your body. Right, uh, Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, For that sure. first. <laughs> and kind of your identity. Same. But, yeah, um, yeah, there wasn't there wasn't a ton of crossover. And I'd heard about Switch and Play and really, really wanted to to be like to be able to perform with them and um, and all of that. And and was also kind of finding my queerness um, very much at that time, too, or at least finding my public queerness mm. um, and not that I wasn't out, but I wasn't as out and loud as I right. certainly am now. Um, and so I had done I had done a, a fundraiser show that um, at the time um, Crimson Kitty was a member and she had seen me do, it was what's now my priest act and it was my very first lip sync drag act. Amazing. Um, which, in, which includes like like self-flagellation and mm-hmm. whatnot, which is just like, you know, that just light light stuff. Mm-hmm. No big deal. You know, just like a little something. Well, <laughs> just a little like... foray into the drag scene, just... like beating the bejesus out of yourself with a handmade rope flail. That's fine. It's I crazy. Mean... Nothing phases me. Right. And then I'll try to explain some of these things to my dad, or you know, oh, and it's totally. like, yeah, I had a conversation with my dad recently where I was like, okay, well, there's poppy juice and then there's bubble tea. Bubble tea is this and poppy juice is this. And my dad's like, wait, so they're they're both gay parties. I was like, well, they're both queer parties, but they cater to different subsects. And, and it was like, <laughs> whoa, like, I forget how idiosyncratic oh, our yeah. world can get. Mm-hmm. Sorry, oh, yeah. continue. Oh, no. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah. So it was from there. They they like passed my name on. And I got to do a like guest spot with Switch and Play. And I think it was it was their pride show, I want to say, the year that I did it. And. I was so happy to be there. Mm. Being in that space made all the difference in the world. It was unlike any other space that I'd performed in, um, and it's so special. And I had such a beautiful, wonderful queer night there. Um, and I think I may have uh, may have done a guest spot with them maybe one more time before like at the end of the year getting the we love your drag want to be part of switch and play and I was like what Um, I I was so I was really shocked um, and had not had not realized what I did made an impact like that and was totally. was really excited and then and then sat down for some very careful consideration which also included like the are you gonna do this <laughs> um, can we, we do this, this together because um, there was a certain element of being worried about giving up individuality um, yeah. in joining a collective like for this sure. mm-hmm. um, for especially sure. because I had gotten to enjoy a huge amount of you know creative freedom and being you know, completely on my own terms. Um, 
And so and so it was a consideration just because I really didn't know what to expect. And that's like 100 um, percent not like that was not an issue. In no, the slightest. not even like, a little bit. No. In fact, no. in fact, like you're always encouraged to do more. Yeah. To Amazing. be in more places. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Sure. And I, I, f- I found that this has supported my individuality as, so as a creative and as a performer. Yeah. Um, having people to bounce ideas off of oh, having so that valuable. support, having, you know, and the standard, this, I think. Exactly. Because you're yeah. like, well, if they're at this level, I got to push right, back. Right, right, oh, yeah, yeah. You got to, to step your game up hard. I absolutely. think that's the thing about community. I think, like, as artists, it's so easy to self-isolate and mm-hmm. shut down. Completely. So yeah. when you when everyone is hustling, you're mm-hmm. like, okay, I better fucking... Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Or, like, if somebody comes in with a brand new costume and you're just like, damn, I really should rhinestone. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, like, like, man, God, that looks really good. Shit. You know, like, it's, it, really does, it really does make a big difference. And, like, being able to skill share mm-hmm. as well between, mm-hmm. like, between each other about like yeah. what it is that like what did That's you use and how did this yeah. how did this work for you or like do you have an extra one of these things or something you know like the, all of those things come into play a lot more yeah. frequently um, and again it really does elevate like a, like a great percentage of um, the costume that I did for Elton John was like like elements of other people's costuming wow. that had like you know like my roommate um, Atticus Stevenson had made these giant wings and I got to and gifted them to me and I was able to wear them and then like Miss Malice had these sun these sunglasses that were like fancy of and course. ridiculous and you know and people text each other all the time and like hey I'm getting rid of this thing do you want it you know so we all know each other's style we all know what like some people are working on and like you can pass information and objects back and forth and it, it you know it it's it's wonderful yeah and it, it's the kind of the opposite of being smothered mm-hmm. you know it's kind of like oh there's actually a trampoline here yeah to like bounce you into the you know so I'm curious about the experience you know the a night at Switch and Play yeah. is coming out where there's going to be a screening at New Fest on October 26th. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Curious because, you know, Switch and Play has been this kind of Brooklyn underground institution. I'm curious what the experience yeah. has, is like of... Since 2009, right? Since 2009, wow. I think so. Wow. Or 2006. <laughs> I want to say Which is six, 13 years? Think t- yeah, 13 years to 2006. Yeah. To put that in perspective, that yeah. predates da- Drag Race. And if you're in yeah, the, sure the world mm-hmm. of, Thank you very much. Yes. <laughs> and if you're in the world of, of nightlife or drag, you have to understand that things move so fast that two years is the equivalent of like a decade. Yeah. So to think mm-hmm. of something that's been around since 2006 is true. And in New York, yeah, you're since like, 2006, oh my right. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, like it's Bush like in, was president. It's like, in, mm-hmm. it's like in dog years. Exactly. Right? Yeah. you got to add <laughs> So I'm just curious, like, what's the experience been like so far and when you were film when the movie was being filmed of like, okay, we're kind of being shown to a bigger world. Oh, wow. That was crazy. Oh, yeah. It was was beautiful because um, what Miss Malice said when we first watched it, I think, is the thing that I remember the most um, is that all of a sudden there was this time capsule that we didn't know that we, we, we like we did like she had said like you know I, I just never knew if anything that we had done would be remembered and would be like preserved right. in one way and like seeing this 
you know, capsule of time. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's just so powerful for us. And, like, it was supposed to be just a 10-minute, 10, 15-minute 10, documentary, like, short doc about just one night at Switch and Play. And they wound up following us around for a year. Yes. And it turned into a 70-minute feature film situation, yes. which also was just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. So you actually watch all of us, like, be in front of the camera for the first time and, like, be a little awkward. Mm-hmm. And, like, this is the first time we've ever done, like, on-camera interviews mm-hmm. and things like that. And and those interviews are actually, like, very, like, if like compared to what we do now, it's, un- like, I've done so many podcasts now. Like, it just, like, you know, I can actually talk to you. And if I had done it back when we started filming, I would be, like, staring at my feet, you know, and not mm-hmm. knowing what to say. Or, like, messaging you afterwards being like, can you delete that thing I said? Like, it sounds really stupid. And, like, you know, and, um... But you get to see in this the This is film. so funny because I've interviewed many members of Switch and Play <laughs> yeah. who have literally done that in the past. See, I'm telling you because <laughs> we're very yeah. careful. We know yeah. what we like. Mm-hmm. But, like, being able to watch ourselves in that documentary, you know, um, kind of bumble a little bit and be a little quieter or, mm-hmm. like, have a certain... Sweet. Like, you see, like, the beginning of us actually defining ourselves in an outward-facing way rather than just an inward-facing way for the first time. Yeah. And it's really special yeah it's really special and I think I think to like piggyback on that um, it changed the way a lot of us looked at what we were doing and why we were doing it and in conversations that I know I've had with a lot of the other members um, a lot of it is you know I've never I've never had to sit down and say who I am and why I'm doing this and what the goal is and Um, how it makes you feel and how it makes you feel and and yeah and all of that and so and so I think you know for all of us especially watching the first cut through oh my god it was um, so emotional it was wow. so emotional cried um, like babies through the whole thing yeah <laughs> yeah and um, yeah, and seeing that and, and seeing what we had to say and seeing how we're, how we've all come together, um, was really, really powerful. And I think very much inspired all of us. Not that we looked back and were like, oh no, um, but inspired us to take what we were doing even further. Good. Um, and totally. to like glow it up and, you know, make it as big and as powerful as it could be because we saw how powerful those ideas were, um, and saw the potential for them to get even bigger. Totally. Um, and so a lot of us, you know, we look back and we're like, oh, my makeup is so much like less. I don't like several people have said that, you know, everything's mm. smaller. Everything's less whatever. Everything's toned um, down and toned down. Toned down. It's impossible oh, for me to imagine right. with this group. But I'm also, just like, but, how like, is that even possible? But also, like, yeah. but also we didn't realize how until we started showing it to other audiences how risque we are. Absolutely. Exactly. That was a yeah. huge one. That was a huge thing is that once you start showing it to audiences and people are like, oh, my God, you're talking about like pubic hair. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and everyone else is like, oh, my God. Pubic hair. We're like, we do that every yeah. single show. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just, it's so fascinating to then, like, we, and, and, and as far as like other queer shows, we're decently, I think, you know, like, we, we're not doing things that are like, atrociously no but I think the the issue with you guys I mean Vigor we did a well we've done two Bushwick stories together we have yeah you guys are in the eye of the storm and a lot of the people you hang out with are the most uh, as punk rock as you and as hardcore as you and I think yeah sometimes you have to go out Mm -hmm. into the outside world an inch out into the outside world Mm -hmm. and be like oh yeah this is actually not like normalized everywhere else this is really shocking yeah Yeah, well and that's yeah we've had a couple 
people come back and just be like, oh, my God, you do that? Like, every <laughs> show, we're like, yes. <laughs> yeah, and it's, yeah, you just kind of, like, you get used to it. We're in this, like, happy, queer, naked bubble, you know, totally. in, in the world and, and kind of forget it. Eating but money and... Exactly, <laughs> like yeah. Like, in people's faces, you know, consensually, usually. Exactly. Stage, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I what I want to ask... Yeah. <laughs> you did do that to me. Yes, you did. The, you know, what makes Switch and Play unique is it's... In terms of, and I had this issue when I wrote about you guys for Time Out, it's not simple drag mm-hmm. queens doing drag. There's drag mm-hmm. queens, there's drag kings, there's... Non-binary, every, non-binary. Yeah, and, our, and our drag queen, our resident drag queen identifies as a non-binary drag exactly. queen. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's um, there's drag and there's burlesque. Yeah. So, obviously, you know, the whole world is heading in the, into this direction, but you guys are having to do a lot of this work when you self-advocate of having to be like, okay, we're actually not... You can't put us in these boxes. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious about how that's been for you mm. in in self-advocating and in, in being labeled by outside audiences, mm-hmm. in labeling yourselves and having to interpolate yourselves mm-hmm. in that way, mm-hmm. um, especially I, as you get yeah. bigger and bigger. Yeah. I think, you know, the thing that's been really interesting is just like it's it almost kind of feels like, you know, when when other like sometimes artists will say like you know our authors or something will be like well I'm gonna write this book and then what you take from it is yours Hmm. kind of a thing like sometimes there's certain ways that you know like I can you know put identifications onto myself or things like that and be like yeah I think that like what I do is mostly drag but I also always take my clothes off Mm. So technically, that could be draglesque, right? Mm. But like, that's what identi- like K James specifically identifies with doing draglesque, and like I don't necessarily. Um, sometimes you identify as like you identify as doing drag, but not necessarily mm-hmm. as a drag king right. specifically. No. But it's more yeah. again a non-binary yeah. drag persona, that type Absolutely. of thing. So like the way that we identify is uh, a lot of times like not personal but it just like it doesn't always you know like somebody else can identify me in a certain way and I'll sometimes I'll be like yeah whatever like that works yeah. and other times I'm like no that is definitely not what's happening here like whenever like, whenever I go to a different show it's the one of the most frustrating things for me in the entire universe is people will be like tip your queens and I'm like mm. hello you know like and it's and it's not that I want to like you know it it doesn't bother like sometimes I could I think I could you know, I can get down with being a drag queen. That's totally fine. But, like, it just is not, it's not inclusive. So it's not, like, it's hard to really put, like, a finger on what other people think of us or how other people identify us because, like... It doesn't really, it, like, it matters, but it doesn't. You know what I mean? It's like, right. just come to a show and see what we do. Well, and I also, you know, oh, sorry. No, that was <laughs> Sorry it. about that. You're fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I also, I also think that a lot of it, you know, I find it fascinating to see how people identify us totally. because it really does say more about them than it does about us. Mm. Every, every time. And it's, yeah. I found it really fascinating as the, as the reviews come in for the, for the documentary, um, there are some people who see it and review it and 
very much get what's happening, and some people really, really don't. They just sail um, right past and, it. Yeah, and whether, yeah. like, there are some who really, you know, they've got pronouns, they understand, like, the, the full spectrum of what we're trying to do, um, and then there are others that are like, you know, we've got queens and kings, you know, and that sort of thing comes in. Mm-hmm. It's like... And again, you're cool, still being also... binary, even no, in your hard. attempt yeah. to, to be inclusive. It's yeah. so it's so interesting. Yeah. 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 I often found it impossible because I yeah. was like, mm-hmm. I want to celebrate that they're being transgressive, but we right. we don't have the vocabulary right. for mm-hmm. it. Drag performers, mm-hmm. right? Yes, drag, drag performers. performers. You know, a band of queerdos yeah. that get naked a lot. Like, <laughs> exactly. you know, like, like there's, there's plenty of ways to do it. It just means that you have to be a little bit more creative. Right. Or like just a little bit more general. Because, and it's so interesting because when it's a group, people want to be able to be very specific. And I think that that's kind of a part of the magic of it a little bit, mm-hmm. is that you really can't be. Yeah. yeah. You cannot, like, you cannot box us. You can try, but every time that anybody does, they leave someone out. Right. They always do. So, like, if you think of everything in a more, like, in a less binary way, then you're closer. Absolutely. <laughs> then you're closer Absolutely. to, like, nailing it down. So, I, you know, I have two crown jewels of the at the you know very vanguard of the drag scene with me and I'm I this is such a broad question to ask but where do you think this is all going like where do you think obviously Mm. drag race is is becoming bigger and bigger drag con and bushwig are on the same weekend um and that was a fun time you guys have a documentary coming out I'm just Mm. curious what do you and obviously gender is in a weird place just by nature of the Kardashians existing. Like, just (laughs) things are so big right now. And I'm just curious, like, where is, where do you see this whole world going? Broadly. And, yeah. Why are you trying to hurt my feelings? Predict the future of the universe. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Do you have any predictions? Next I really, I don't know. I I know that I have places that I hope it will go. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I hope that showcasing um, the big wide spectrum of this community and what's happening in the queer world and nightlife um, you know no matter no matter how it's how it's getting out there is you know is gonna gonna I guess go past just our community and people will start seeing that we're here we're powerful we're present um, and we're proud of what we're doing and um, and hopefully have a little bit of understanding based on having seen these little peaks into our world yeah. um, I know we just did um, we just did Woodstock Film Festival with Absolutely. the documentary um, and that was a good time it was it was so much fun we had a great time like queers in the woods um, mm-hmm. But there was there was one, you know, and, and that one was not specifically a queer film festival. And a lot of what we've been shown in are queer fe- film festivals. Um, and this one, it was a primarily like straight white audience. Yeah, um, heter- like, you know, rough, like very, very kind of standard yeah. heterosexual, heteronormative. Yeah. You know, like like not everyone. Exactly. No, but it certainly was, you know, not any, a little, everyone. A little bit of an um, older demographic, mm-hmm. you know, absolutely of, you know, not really exposed to drag. Or burlesque all that much. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, and there was there was during the Q and A for that one. There was one woman who who 
basically raised her hand and said, you know, I feel like I'm a little bit, I've fallen a little bit in love with every single one of you from having seen this film. Um, And I think that really is, it's a beautiful thing that the documentary is conveying is, is it gives us these little short vignettes of each person that allow people to connect and understand, even if it's just that little bit, but they've, they've captured something about who we are and what we're doing that communicates beyond just our community. Um, And that's really, really important. And I really hope hope that that's where the future of a lot of thing, these things are. This is an opportunity for us to talk about who we are and what we're doing and to educate people beyond mm. just our communities. Um, and those conversations are not always going to be as easy and joyful as something like that. But, mm-hmm. um, but it is an opportunity, which is great. And Absolutely. I'm really grateful for. Yeah, me too. That's great. Um, I would love to see us go on tour. Mm. Yes. That would be amazing. Mm-hmm. And that would be something. And uh, like, I've been, you know, I think we've all been toying with the idea of like including the documentary or not including the documentary and like, you know, doing it mm-hmm. as like a two hour showcase where it's like us. And then, you know, the, because that actually, again, that formula worked really well mm-hmm. of um, seeing the documentary having a Q&A and then watching us perform like because then it preps people who have never seen drag before entirely mm-hmm. as to like what it is that you do at a drag or burlesque bur- burlesque burlesque <laughs> I can talk I'm doing fine um, burlesque performance you know and then like and yeah. then being able to ask questions about it and then see it for real and kind of try out your newfound you know knowledge mm. which is really cool mm-hmm. um, and that, that worked incredibly well um, but I think I think the thing is that uh, like what I'm hoping for in the future and where I'm seeing things going is we clutch so desperately to this deal idea of validity or doing something correctly mm. and who gets to be the gatekeepers of what drag means or what burlesque means or what gender means or what presentation means mm. or what it does passing matter xyz and the reality is nobody gets to do that nobody gets to be the definitive like high priest priestess of like this is the way I'm doing <laughs> there, we'll talk about that in a second but like you know but like nobody gets to be the the the, the high order of you know like like I declare this drag as valid like right. you don't get to do that um I think that uh, what is becoming more and more understood is that what it really is, is that what you're putting on stage is a conversation between you and the audience. It's a conversation between parts of you that you identify with or parts of you that you don't at all that you're trying to play with or you're trying to that like, you know, that Mm -hmm. that drag is gender play, but it's also so much more than that. It's so much more than that in so many ways. And we don't know what it is. Thank God. Right? Mm -hmm. So then it turns into, you know, but because we don't know what it is, it also becomes something that people are a little bit afraid of because they don't know how to categorize it. They don't know where to put it. They don't know how to understand it specifically. So I think that the future is going to be leaning into that fear and saying, I don't know. And being able to say with, like, great fortitude, I don't know, but I'm willing to check it out. Right. And that's it. Without having to say, like, unless I can fully intellectualize every single nuance of everything that happened, I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like it because I don't get it. And, like, that fear is what holds us back in so many ways from doing so many things. Mm. Um 
and and I think that the real importance of what drag and this type of like subversive burlesque is doing is pushing people to just be like it's okay not to know mm-hmm. and it's okay to look at something and be like I don't know what the fuck I just saw but I'm into it I yeah. think mm-hmm. yeah. and at least I'm like it's at least it's making me think at the very least and I think that that's really important so uh, listen on that <laughs> note unfortunately we're out of time uh, that's a for me a perfect place to end it um, let me ask where can we follow switch and play where can we follow each of you individually go for it <laughs> so, it's switch it's switch the letter n play at on Instagram great um, you can also find us on Facebook I think we still have a Facebook page mm-hmm. um, we also have a Twitter which is also just switch and play um, mine is Hey Vigor Mortis, so it's V I G O G O R M O R T I S. That is also on Instagram and Twitter because branding. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have a Facebook because it sucked my soul, mm-hmm. so I didn't want to use it anymore. Yeah, and the sorry. best. Ooh, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Apologizing. <laughs> um, yeah, and the best way to find me is definitely on Instagram um, at Nix Nocturne N Y X N O C T U R N E, um, because I don't post on Twitter or Facebook, even though they're there. <laughs> just right. don't bother; you won't see anything good. Um, sure. A night at Switch and Play will be at New Fest yes. on mm-hmm. October twenty sixth, and they have a Instagram that's just Switch and Play Doc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and switch and play will be back at Branded Saloon, correct? Every month after that, every Mm -hmm. second and fourth Saturday. Mm -hmm. Great! Um, I'm really so delighted you were both here. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for having us. us. This is amazing. If you enjoyed this episode of The Luminaries, let me know. Give me a five star rating on iTunes. Write a glowing encomium. Share it on your Instagram stories. Email it to your aunt Joan help make this series bigger and better with every episode thank you for listening and let's grow together see you next tuesday bye bye